Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, folks, I'm thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus, and as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. So hopefully you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we'll delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail. Well, friends, as we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. And this blessing comes in the form of a benediction given to us by Moses' brother, Priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you back. Today we're looking at who is Jesus. And if you've been listening for any length of time now to my podcast, you've come to know that together our mission is in exploring all things Jesus. But recently it's come to my attention and I've realized we haven't really journeyed and mined the depths of who Jesus is. So this is what we're going to begin doing today. And again, I ask you to think about who is Jesus in your life? You know, Jesus is monotheistic God. He is alive today in all aspects of our lives. And biblical Christianity tells us there is one God in three persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to earth as the Son of God or as Jesus of Nazareth, as he's known. He was born of the Virgin Mary by Immaculate Conception or by impregnation by the Holy Ghost and raised as a Jew during the Roman Empire. And the last name for Jesus Christ means Messiah, which is why there's only one deity or one man named Christ, Jesus Christ. And the Messianic prophecies tell his story through their fulfillment. There are four canic canonical gospels telling the life story of Jesus. For the gospel writers, one of the main reasons for believing in Jesus was the way his life fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. Listen right now to some of the prophecies that were fulfilled. The Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, was to be born of a virgin, was to be a prophet like Moses, was to enter Jerusalem in triumph, was to be rejected by his own people. The Messiah was to be betrayed by one of his followers, was to be tried and condemned, was to be silent before his accusers, was to be struck and spat on by his enemies, 
The Messiah was to be mocked and insulted, was to die by crucifixion, was to suffer with criminals and pray for his enemies. And the Messiah was to be given vinegar, while others were to cast lots for the Messiah's garments. The Messiah's bones were not to be broken. The Messiah was to die as a sacrifice for sin. He was to be raised from the dead. And the Messiah is now sitting, seated, sitting at God's right hand. So all of these Old Testament prophecies have come from the books of Micah, Isaiah, Deuteronomy, Zechariah, the Psalms, and Exodus. And then the Gospels confirm these prophetic happenings. So you may be wondering why the need for four Gospel accounts, why do all of those exist to tell Jesus' historical story? Well, you're not alone in asking that question, but we do need to remember that God has purpose in all that he does, and he eagerly enjoys unfolding it for all who will believe in his son. So we begin with the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is filled with messianic language, such as son of David. This gospel was written to present clear evidence that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. And although the gospel of Mark comes after Matthew, it probably was the first gospel written, according to scholars. The other gospels quote all but 31 verses of Mark and Mark records more miracles than does any other gospel. His purpose was to present the person, the work, and the teachings of Jesus. Now, the Gospel of Luke was written by the only New Testament Gentile author. The purpose was to present an accurate account of the life of Christ and to present Christ as the perfect human and Savior. This is the most comprehensive gospel. Luke was an educated doctor, and he makes frequent references to illnesses and diagnoses. Luke stresses Jesus's relationship with people. He emphasizes prayer, miracles, and angels. He records inspired hymns of praise and gives a prominent place to women. And this brings us to the final gospel, that of the gospel of John. His purpose for writing provides us conclusive proof that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. He records eight miracles in which six are unique to his ministry. And it's been said that over 90% is unique to his gospel. So we learn that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Mary, and we've talked about the Immaculate Conception occurred, and then Mary and Joseph were married. And Joseph is rarely mentioned in the Gospels, and therefore it's believed he most likely died before Jesus reached his middle teen years. But Jesus acquired Joseph's trade of carpentry before beginning his ministry at the age of 30. And Jesus taught through short stories called parables and metaphors. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 35, 
This fulfilled the prophecy that said, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain mysteries hidden since the creation of the world. If you're asking what exactly a parable is, it's a relevant story with a heavenly slant. The Bible records 35 parables that Jesus told. Now, likely there were even more, but these stories are comparisons of something familiar to something unfamiliar. For example, when making bread, a common ingredient utilized is yeast. The yeast looks like a small addition when baking, but if you've ever made bread, it is essential. And this is a great analogy, not to judge a book by its cover. Yeast is an essential element for growth in the kingdom of God. And if you've heard our episode pertaining to the parable of the four soils, we discuss the consequences about spiritual farming and how to apply this to our lives. Jesus's followers will be compelled to an understanding, while non-followers often remain in stubborn, willful ignorance. God's words yield varying harvest when preached and taught depending on the soul's trajectory and growth at the time of learning. No, we must not become discouraged when we do not reap what we sow immediately. So by telling stories in parable form, Jesus was able to feed and tend his flock. Additionally, he was able to keep his enemies confounded. Like Pharaoh, he would harden hearts if he knew the person was always going to be resistant. This parable is told as a direct correlation to understanding the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And the overarching theme is sowing and reaping. Most people are able to hear a multitude of sounds. Only some people experience deeper listening by attuning themselves toward the heartbeat of God and gain spiritual understanding and insights. Jesus's word tells us the people who are open to his teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even to what they have will be taken away from them. People were all around Jesus, seeing with their physical eyes, hearing with their physical ears, yet they were lacking in understanding. And according to the prophet Isaiah, these same people would have hardened hearts towards God. These are hearts that are not pliable nor moldable. Because they lacked understanding, they would not be able to turn to God for healing. And Jesus tells us to come under his leadership. When we follow his commandments, he blesses us so we can be blessings to others. And it's easy to read the word of God and say, yes, we're in agreement. Yes, it sounds good. Yet no action comes from mere lip service. Our lives are not permeated. We may even denounce all evil and worldly materialism. However, at the end of the day, if we hold in our hands all the world offers and willingly choose not to embrace eternal salvation with Christ, what do we really have? Here's what, nothing. 
We're promised to spend eternity somewhere. It just won't be heaven if we forfeit the one and only most important relationship in our lives. So today, as we learn more about Jesus, we pray, Father, you alone know no altitude. There's no limit on how high you can rise in the universe. We thank you for reminding us that our altitude is a measure of our attitudes. Our attitudes come from right thinking. Our thinking is influenced from right believing given to us through your Holy Spirit. When we press into you and your word, you illuminate spiritual truths deep within us at a molecular level. This is how we know the truth. And of course, we recognize the truth being your son, Jesus himself. Faith, truth, right believing, right thinking, attitude, altitude, in a nutshell, you, us, some of His most important and famous teachings are the Sermon on the Mount and that of the Good Samaritan. Jesus also performed miracles, healed the sick, and even resurrected the dead. He would also befriend and teach women, which in his day was unprecedented. The religious establishment condemned this behavior. And throughout his teachings, Jesus emphasized the coming of the kingdom of heaven, as well as the forgiveness of sin. Various interpretations have been given for this. Some believe because Israel was occupied by the Romans that Jesus was speaking of political freedom. However, the more common belief held he was preaching about the end of the world or the apocalyptic end was thought to be the coming of the messianic age described in the Torah which is, of course, the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses. Now, Jesus was believed to be the Messiah or Savior promised by the Old Testament who would usher in an era of redemption and harmony. And although Jesus had many followers, he regularly challenged the world's status quo. He would demonstrate his displeasure with the religious elite by creating a disturbance at the temple during the Passover. The Sanhedrin, who controlled the Jewish high court, convicted Jesus of blasphemy and handed him to the Romans on the charges of sedition against the state, meaning the ultimate act of defiance or disloyalty to an established authority. The Roman leader in Israel, Prefect Pontius Pilate, sentenced Jesus to be executed by crucifixion. Three days after his burial, however, Christians believed Jesus was resurrected from his tomb, proving his godliness before ascending to heaven. And what led to Joseph Caiaphas arresting Jesus? It began around the year 30 BC. Jesus was angry at what he felt was impurity within the Jewish religious establishment. At the temple in Jerusalem, money changers and merchants had set up shop in what was supposed to be the holiest of places, leading his followers to the temple during Passover. Jesus overturned tables, causing a visible disturbance. Caiaphas was the high priest of the Sanhedrin. The Jewish high court 
And Jesus was able to be arrested because Jesus was identified and betrayed by one of his apostles, Judas Iscariot. When Jesus refused to cooperate, the Sanhedrin turned him over to the Roman prefect Pilate. Now, the reason for Jesus's harsh sentence is a matter of enormous debate. The most widely accepted view is that Pilate made a decision himself, either for fear that Jesus might foment a political rebellion or simply out of mere brutality. Regardless of how the decision was made, Pilate gave the order to execute Jesus, labeling him King of the Jews. And Jesus was forced to carry his cross, which likely weighed in excess of a hundred pounds during his journey between the prison and Calvary, the site of his execution. And although Jesus is often depicted as carrying the entire cross, he probably carried only the horizontal piece while the vertical stake was permanently fixed in the ground at the execution site. The site of Calvary was located somewhere outside of Jerusalem and was most likely a cemetery that the Romans used to quickly bury their victims. While Jesus was hanging from the cross, Joseph of Arimathea approached and using the same chalice that Jesus drank from during the Last Supper, caught some of Jesus's dripping blood. The chalice is known as the Holy Grail. After Jesus died, Joseph removed Jesus's body and buried it in his own tomb. Ironically, you often don't hear about what happened to Pontius Pilate in the subsequent years. This evil man was removed from his post for excessive brutality. Another interesting fact is that the Vatican and the Catholic Church did not officially condemn the Jews for killing Jesus until the year 1965 during the Vatican II Accords. There have been claims that thousands of people were crucified during the Roman Empire, but only one crucified body has ever been discovered. Most victims were simply left on their crosses to decay. And what about the resurrection? Three days after Jesus had been crucified and buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, several women, including Mary and Mary Magdalene, went to his grave to perform burial rites. When they arrived at the tomb, however, they found it empty. The next day, Jesus began to appear before a number of his disciples in order to show them that he had been resurrected. Now, approximately 40 days after he had arisen, Jesus ascended to heaven and left the terrestrial world forever. Today, the resurrection is celebrated on Easter and its story is retold in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the resurrection of Jesus is a central pillar of Christianity for the majority of us Christians. Most members of the faith believe that Jesus's resurrection was an actual event and that he did rise from the dead. 
and among many interpretations of the event is the one most commonly held known as the judicial view. It's believed that God was required to punish all of mankind for their sins. However, to avoid doing so, God sent Jesus who was pure to bear the burden of the sins committed by those people who accepted his teachings. In in exchange for their devotion, Jesus took all of those sins with him when he ascended to heaven. And although this worldview is widely held within the Christianity and some Christians and many non-Christians believe that the story of resurrection is actually an allegory. They note that although the resurrection is retold in all four of the canonical Gospels, more of them claim to have seen it firsthand. Excuse me, none of them have claimed to seen it firsthand. In fact, nowhere in the Bible does anyone claim to have borne witness to the event. For liberal Christians who do not believe Jesus actually rose from the dead, the story is still central to their faith. It exemplifies hope. And friends, we do have a friend in Jesus and we do have hope. And you know, it's our friendships that make life enjoyable and difficult times bearable. Friendships are tested and strengthened by hardships. Such was the relationship between three young Jewish men deported to Babylon along with Daniel. We had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they help us to think about the real meaning of friendship. And as much as these friendships meant to each other, they never allowed their friendship to usurp God's place in their lives, not even in the face of death. And together they silently defiled King Nebuchadnezzar's order to fall down and worship the image of gold. They shared a courageous act while others eager to get rid of them told the king that the three Jews were being disloyal. While this was not true, Nebuchadnezzar could not spare them without losing face. This was the moment of truth. Death was about to end their friendship. A small compromise would have allowed them to live and go on enjoying each other, serving God and serving their people while in this foreign land. But they were wise enough to see that compromise would have poisoned the very conviction that bound them so closely. Each had a higher allegiance to God, so they did not hesitate to place their lives in the hands of God, and the rest of their stories were victory. When we leave God out of our most important relationships, we tend to expect those relationships to meet the needs in us that only God can meet. Friends are helpful, but they cannot meet our deepest spiritual needs. Leaving God out of relationships indicates how unimportant He really is in our lives. Our relationship with God should be important enough to touch our other relationships, especially our closest friendships. And now that we've discussed more about Jesus, I just want to make it really clear that if you've not been spiritually reborn, Jesus says to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief 
in God's Son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ to never sin, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God, and our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. So today, friends, if this is you, take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross on Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And think about what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary for you. I mean, his his best friend or the disciple whom Jesus loved was said to be John. He was there at the cross of Calvary witnessing Jesus being crucified and so was his mother Mary and it said Mary Magdalene was there and a few other people can you imagine how excruciating to see your friend someone you loved deeply hanging on a cross for your sin when that is a person who's Jesus we're talking about here who had absolutely no sin he had no reason except pure love of God sending him to earth to die for us so we owe it to him to take that next step and to become born again spiritually so I encourage you with all my heart to take that step now and if you did let me be the first person to congratulate you on making that the most important decision of your entire lifetime congratulations and god bless you and friends the grace and peace of god love wins podcast will be available most days during the week a special children's kid talk airs on wednesdays So tune in with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like. It is a verb, biblical trust, and many more topics. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of life together. And if you like this episode, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And you know, friends, occasionally I reference uh, information right out of my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. So if you find content inspiring or compelling, feel free to pick up a copy of my book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble or Dorrance.com. 
But importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word. So until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.